Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Thank you for joining us this morning. Special welcome to those who are watching online this morning. Pastor Johnny just mentioned that we're going to start a new sermon series next week on the same page. We're going to look at the big picture of the Bible. But today we're going to finish our Christmas series, Who Needs Christmas? And all throughout this series, the answer to that question, Who Needs Christmas, has been everybody. Everybody needs Christmas. And Christmas is celebrated worldwide. Billions of people celebrated Christmas this week. I, I tried to do a little bit of research. I, I tried to Google what is the most celebrated holiday, and I didn't get a super clear answer, but it's pretty clear that either Christmas or New Year's is the most widely celebrated, just in terms of number of people worldwide that celebrate that holiday. So Christmas is right there as one of the most widely celebrated holidays. And of course, many people who celebrate Christmas don't know Jesus at all. They, they don't know who Jesus is. They're, they're not following him. They just think of Christmas as uh, a, a time about family and tradition and gifts. But the point remains that Christ, Christmas is just an enormously big deal, celebrated everywhere. And we take this for granted. You and I, this is the world that we've grown up in where, of course, it's Christmas. You celebrate Christmas. Everybody knows that. But that's not how it felt when Jesus was born. At the first Christmas, it was not a big deal worldwide. I've heard people say that the incarnation, when Jesus came, when, when the Son of God took on human flesh, the incarnation is a little bit like the king of the universe quietly slipping in the back door. It was just this quiet, understated event. It wasn't a big event with global reach. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which would be like saying Jesus is born in Livermore. And his mother was this anonymous peasant woman. A handful of shepherds were the only people who were made aware of Jesus' birth. And he was laid in a manger among the livestock. Right? This, this event, on Christmas Day, it, it was just a ripple, just a small event in a small country. And in Luke 13, Jesus tells us how we are to understand his, his quiet coming and his relatively small earthly ministry. Luke 13, 18 and 19, Jesus says, "'What is the kingdom of God like?' And to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So you have a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds 
But when you plant that mustard seed, it grows, and when it's mature, it's this bush that's 12 to 15 feet tall, and it's big enough that birds can make a nest in, in that plant. So it starts out small, but it grows and becomes immense. And Jesus says, that's what my kingdom is like. Don't be fooled by how it begins. The fact that I came and was, was born in Bethlehem and, and hardly anybody knew about it, the fact that my earthly ministry takes place in, in Israel and, and it doesn't make this big worldwide impact immediately, don't let that fool you because when it's all said and done, my kingdom will spread to the whole world and people will come and find refuge in me. And so today we're going to look at how that happens, how Christmas has gone from this relatively quiet event only known to a handful of people to what it is today with this worldwide reach, and then we're going to look at where it's headed. So let's, let's begin by looking at the Christmas story and, and, and let's see what stories, what do the stories of Jesus' birth in the Gospels say about that global spread of God's kingdom? So even though Jesus' birth was quiet, there were hints in his birth story that this was going to spread. Even before Jesus was born, several hundred years before his birth, Isaiah saw that this was going to happen. He said, this is the word of the Lord to Isaiah, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So the Lord told Isaiah about the day when the Messiah, the king, would come. And he said, it's too small, it's too simple for this Messiah to just be the king in Israel. He's going to be the king of the whole world. He's going to be a light for all the nations so that salvation can go to the end of the earth. And then when Jesus is born in, in Luke chapter 2, when the angels come and speak to the shepherds and announce to them the birth of Jesus, listen to what the angel says to the shepherds. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The fact that the Savior has been born, the Messiah, is good news of great joy. And who is it good news of great joy for? Everybody. All the people. Not just Israel. This is not just good news for Israel. This is good news for all the people, say the angels. And then a few verses later, after Jesus had been born and Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to offer a sacrifice in, in dedication of his birth, they go to the temple and they meet Simeon, this old man who had been told by the Lord that he would see the Messiah. And so they go to the temple and there's Simeon and Simeon sees Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit reveals to him, this is the one, this is the Lord's Christ. And Simeon scoops the baby up in his arms and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation. He looks at Jesus and he says, this is the one that God is going to use to save his people. My eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, this baby is meant to be a light to the nations to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, not just the Jews, but to the whole world. And Matthew, in his uh, account of Jesus' early life, after Jesus is born, a, a year or so later, the wise men come. And listen to what Matthew says about these wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So these men were not Jews. They didn't live in Israel. They lived in a pagan country. And yet, the Lord had revealed to them through this star, and we don't know everything about what that star was, but the Lord had revealed to them that a king has been born in Israel, and you need to worship this king. You need to submit to that king. And so they go to Israel, and they ask, where is he? We've come to worship him. And then they're told that he's in Bethlehem, so Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So these pagan wise men from, uh, not, from not Israel, they come to Israel, they're pointed to Bethlehem, the star points them to Jesus' house, and they see this toddler, this little peasant toddler, and they worship him. These powerful, wealthy men get on their knees and they worship the child and they give him these kingly gifts. So Matthew's telling us this is not just a, an average Jewish boy. This is the king, not just of the Jews. This is the king of all creation. And all people will worship him. And then John, John doesn't give us a birth story, but he looks back. John, the Gospel of John was written latest of the four Gospels. So he looks back to Jesus' ministry, and he's reflecting on the incarnation in chapter 1, the fact that the Word became flesh, and he says, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John's saying, who is the incarnation for? Who did the Son of God come for? Whoever wants Him. Whoever receives Him as the King. Whoever turns to him and surrenders their life to him, that's the person who receives sonship. Whoever believes in Jesus, God gives the right to become children of God. And they're born, it doesn't matter their ethnicity, it doesn't matter their family heritage, it matters that they see King Jesus and worship him. So the the birth stories in the Gospels tell us that this baby is not just any baby. This is the king, and this this child is going to impact the entire world. So how did it happen? How has the kingdom spread? How did we go from Bethlehem, first Christmas, hardly anybody knows, to global phenomenon? We take it for granted, but what has happened in the last 2,000 years is just remarkable. It's been said that the story of Jesus is the story of the cradle, the cross, and the crown. Jesus was born, he, he became flesh, born to Mary in these humble beginnings, the cradle, this little baby, and then that Jesus grew became a man, and lived a perfect, sinless life. Scripture says that Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus lived this perfect life, and what did he do? He went to the cross. He gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. So you have the cradle, and then you have the cross. Jesus dying on the cross And then Jesus didn't stay dead, right? Jesus rose from the dead, and now Jesus reigns as the king at his father's right hand. Jesus has ascended into heaven where he reigns, and someday he's going to come back, and he's going to rule over all of the earth. You have the cradle, the cross, and now Jesus is wearing the crown. That's the story of Jesus. And the beginning of the Gospels, you have this baby that nobody knows. The end of the Gospels, you have a risen and reigning king. And at the end of Matthew, this risen, reigning king goes to his followers and gives them a job. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus now is the king. And he says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. I can say and do whatever I want. And so you go tell people that. Go tell people that I'm the king and that they can have life if they turn to me, that they can, they can live forever with me in peace if they surrender to me. In Acts 1.8, he gives them a similar charge. He says, You will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's the story of Acts. You have this small group of followers preaching the good news that Jesus is king, first in Jerusalem, then in Judea and Samaria, and then finally to the ends of the earth. By the end of Acts, Paul is a prisoner in Rome preaching the gospel in Rome, telling people about Jesus in Rome. If you go back to the beginning of Acts, the day of Pentecost, there were roughly 120 followers of Jesus. Just think about that. You had Jesus' entire earthly ministry. He's now ascended into heaven. So his, his job on earth is done. His, his earthly ministry is finished. And what does he leave behind? About the size of this room, right? About, about as many people are, as are in this room is all that there is of Christians. And those few men and women told people about Jesus. And those people told other people about Jesus. And the good news of the kingdom spread and spread and spread. Those people said, hey, God has come and put on flesh. He has walked with us. He has given himself for our sins and we can know him and have life with him. They told that story over and over and over in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. Wherever they were, wherever God put them, they said, hey, have you heard about Jesus? You haven't? Let me tell you about him. Follow him with me. That's how the gospel has spread. And now, fast forward 2,000 years, there's a website called peoplegroups.org. It's this Christian organization that looks at world population and demographics to understand how the gospel has spread. And according to that website, there are approximately 7.65 billion people on earth today. And among those people, there are approximately 11,730 people groups. So, specific groups of people with their own language and culture, 11,730 of them. And of those 11,730, there are 4,051 people groups that have a well-established Christian presence, where there's just a lot of Christians in that people group. There are, there are healthy churches. There are, there are Bibles translated into their language. Right? It's, there's easy access to the good news about Jesus. Right? That's, that's true of us in America. Right? We have dozens of Bible translations, thousands of healthy churches. If you want to hear about Jesus in America, it's not hard to do so. Right? There's lots of believers here. And so among the 7.65 billion people, 2.04 billion people on planet Earth, identify as Christians. And now, we're not going to get into Catholics and Protestants and different denominations and what those people believe, but just broadly speaking, there are about two billion people that consider themselves followers of Jesus Christ. The gospel has spread like wildfire for 2,000 years. 
It's on every continent. It's in most countries because people have told other people about King Jesus. So you see that mustard seed has been planted, and now for the last 2,000 years it has grown, and there are people that are taking refuge in the kingdom of Jesus, taking refuge under King Jesus. What remains to be done? What is still undone when it comes to the spread of the kingdom? How much more does this plant need to grow? Go back to that same website, peoplegroups.org. Again, 7.65 billion people, 11,730 people groups. There are 7,077 unreached people groups. And of those 7,000, there are approximately 3,114 unengaged people groups. There are 3,000 people groups where not only is there, is there not an established church, nobody's even trying right now. Nobody's actively engaged with those people groups, actively working on a Bible translation, actively seeking to plant a church or, or evangelize those people groups. 3,000 of them. Many people still don't celebrate Christmas. And many people who do celebrate Christmas have no idea what they're celebrating. They have no idea what Christmas means. So there is work still to be done. Romans 10, Paul thinks about this reality of those who don't know Jesus. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How can somebody surrender to King Jesus if they don't believe in King Jesus? How can, somebody surrender, how can somebody believe in King Jesus if they have never heard of King Jesus? How can they hear about King Jesus unless somebody preaches to them about King Jesus or speaks to them about King Jesus? How can somebody speak to them about King Jesus if they don't go where that person is so they can speak to them? And so, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are, are the feet of the people who pick up and go where those people are to tell them about Jesus. That remains to be done. Makes me think about some of the global partners that we support at, a, at this church. Some of the people that we support financially as they're seeking to do just this. You have Jesse and Sarah Rinkenberger, are living in Malaysia, telling people about Jesus in Malaysia because Malaysia has very, very few Christians. Dustin and Kelly Shramick serving refugees in the Middle East, people that don't know Jesus. Denny and Sue Divig ministering to mostly Muslim background people in Kenya. And then uh, Jeff and Barb Chapman and Mark Walter, who's Pastor Doug's brother, and his wife Mackie, 
serving in Japan because Japan has very, very few Christians. Very few people care about Jesus there. And so these, these beloved brothers and sisters have left the comforts of their home and have gone overseas where those people are because they want those people to know Jesus came. The king has come and you can have life with him. So their task and our task is the same as those disciples in the New Testament. Tell people about the king who has come. Now, I, I want to just pause and point out that there's these, all these unreached people groups, all these countries with very, very few Christians, all these cities with virtually no believers in them, and nations are not one to Christ. Cities are not one to Christ. People are one to Christ. Individuals, men and women, boys and girls, surrender their lives to Jesus. Right? The goal isn't to reach this country over here. The goal is to find people in that country and tell them about Jesus. The, at, at Pentecost, 3,000 people turned to Jesus. 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. But the more normal pattern, both in the New Testament and throughout church history, has been one or two or a handful of people hearing the good news and turning to Jesus. As the good news is shared, one conversation, one bedtime devotion, one sermon at a time, people are saved from darkness and freed to worship King Jesus. So you do not bear a responsibility for the world to hear about Jesus. You bear a responsibility for the people that God has put in your sphere to hear about Jesus. God doesn't expect for you to reach those 3,000 unreached people groups. God expects for you to reach the people that he puts in your path. And for some of you, that might mean going to where nobody knows about Jesus. We pray for that at Oak Hill. We pray that people from Oak Hill would go to, to preach the gospel where Jesus hasn't been named. So that remains to be done. And that brings us to the final question. Where is this all headed? What is it going to look like when that mustard seed grows and reaches full maturity? What's the end game for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus? It's going to be people from everywhere worshiping King Jesus and King Jesus ruling over every inch of creation forever. Two quick passages in Revelation. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's where history is headed. People from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, worshiping King Jesus. Every color, 
every background, every ethnicity saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. I love him. I surrender to him. And, and not only that, but it's going to be everywhere. Revelation eleven fifteen. the angel says, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Every inch of the universe will belong to King Jesus, and every person in that universe will be bowing down to King Jesus. That's where it's headed. And so as we close, the question is, is that you? Are you one of those people? Have you received Jesus as the king, as the one who saves you? And then having received him, are you ready to just tell as many as you can? Do you know about King Jesus? Do you know that the one born in Bethlehem will rule over creation and has opened his arms to you? Let's pray. Father, your son has come. He has, he has walked among us. He has lived this perfect life and he has died on the cross to pay for sin. And now he, he is risen and he sits at your right hand on the throne. He is in charge and he will one day come back to rule over the universe. Help us to, to flee to him, to, to find refuge in him like a, like a bird builds a nest in a tree. And then help us to point other people to this king so that they too can worship him. So that all glory can go to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing our final song together.